And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT the Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Hour number two of the broadcast, JT, in the studios of Lotus Broadcasting. We had the head coach, Josh McDaniels, on. If you missed that, you can get it with your podcast to show. LV Sports Network, and I'm sure the Raiders will throw it up at Raiders.com and put that out there also. A good conversation with him as he's making the rounds today, and he came to us first. You'll be hearing him a lot on the little media here over the next day or two. And we talked about his transition, the timing, uh, what he has to do to develop a staff, Derek Carr. And it's a big job. It's a big job coming in. What I find interesting is this was the right time. This was the right time for him to come here. Why? I don't know, but because the Raider job opened up. The Raider job wasn't opened up when John Gruden signed a 10-year deal. I'm not saying he wanted to be a Raider his entire life, but the job looks very encouraging to him now with a good roster, a 10-win team, Vegas, the, the new stadium, a new practice facility. I mean, he is a practice guy. And walking into that building from the other people that I talked to about it, a lot of these coaches and GMs, when they walk in the building – are pretty blown away, really blown away about this. And on a side note, Cincinnati has the worst building in football. They have an outdoor practice facility, not even indoor. They fly cheap. They don't spend a lot of money, and they're in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Cincinnati, they had two wins two years ago. Two wins. So when you look at all of that, I find it very interesting because I personally believe that great organizations put themselves in a spot to win multiple championships. We've seen that with Kansas City. We've seen it with New England, with Belichick and Josh McDaniels, who we just spoke to. You see it with the best teams. They continue to put their staff and their players in a position that every year they believe they're going to win. That hasn't been the case lately. The Raiders want to win. They hope to win. And I believe they were on the right path with the Gruden hire until the resignation came and what happened there with some very good coaches. Coaches that they've never had a losing season in Vegas, but now it's not about being a 500 or 10-win team. It's about having the personnel to have a real shot to get to the Super Bowl in arguably the toughest division in football. So what are, the, what are a couple of these off-season topics that we're going to talk about? Off-season topics. The Raiders with their development of their roster. Huge to me. And the cap and what they're going to do for the draft, and what we think are the needs of the team. Secondly, might be it's not going to be bigger than them. First is that. Josh McDaniels is the new head coach, and Dave Ziegler's the GM. That goes to priority number one. they got a lot of work to do. Number two, Aaron Rodgers to Denver. If that happens, if that happens, that's a different job this upcoming year than even the gentlemen who took over are thinking. So that's going to be a huge topic going forward. And then... I think the other one, which is going to be important, is what happens with Kansas City. Kansas City imploded in that last game, which is great news for the Raider Nation because it proves that it could happen again. You're up 21-3. to That was a choke job. I did a whole show last night on that, on the choke word. What does choke mean? Choke means when you have an advantage, a real advantage and a lead in sports, and it gets blown away and you lose. Now, if you're an even team and the score's 21-21 and you lose the game because you made a mistake at the end, that's not a choke. 
That's just a bad play. Kansas City choked to Cincinnati up 21-3. They didn't get points going into halftime because they thought they were too cool. They didn't need three points. Just like Boy Blunder, the coach in L.A. with the Chargers, he thinks he can go for it on fourth and one from his own 18 because they just believe they're better than everybody. It's not the case. I didn't get a chance to do this yesterday because of the press conference, but I am so happy that Kansas City only has one Super Bowl when they could have had four. I watched this with the Warriors. The Warriors won three out of five when they should have won four out of five and could have won five out of five. They barely, the Warriors barely became a dynasty. You have to have three, and it can't take more than five years. You can't say you have three rings over eight years. That's what a lot of people say about the Patriots' dynasty. Well, follow me here for a second because I study this, and I like this topic. How could the Patriots be a dynasty when they lose the Super Bowl to Eli Manning? No, everything starts over when you lose the Super Bowl to Eli Manning. You don't win it again and say, oh, we're a dynasty. No, you're not a dynasty. You just lost to Eli Manning twice. So you have to continue to start and stop the process. And then if you put three in a row together, if you win three out of four or three out of five, then you can sit at home and say, yeah, you're a dynasty. That's exactly what we were staring at in the Raider Nation. We were staring at Kansas City potentially becoming a dynasty, and they failed. That's no dynasty. That's no dynasty. That isn't even a great team. The, The Raider teams of the 70s with Stabler, right, they won one. What would you say all time? Who's the greatest team of all time? Kansas City's not included in that assumption. The Raiders are of 76, 77. That's considered one of the greatest teams of all time. Brady had multiple teams that could have been considered that. The 18-0 team that Josh McDaniels was a part of lost one game. It was the Super Bowl. It was the greatest regular season team of all time, but not one of the greatest because they lost the Super Bowl. you got to be a Super Bowl champion to be considered one of the greatest teams of all time. you got to probably win multiple. Kansas City's won one Super Bowl since Super Bowl IV. Get out of here with this dynasty crap. What's going on around here? I say this on my night show. No dynasty. This is nothing. The Detroit Pistons won back-to-back with Bill Lambira, Isaiah. They won back-to-back. They're not a dynasty. They won two. It's not a dynasty. It was one of the great teams back-to-back. Jordan had two dynasties. Three and oh, won three twice. Okay, that was a dynasty. Kansas City, a dynasty. Get the hell out of here with this crap. You got radio hosts before the season saying, this is my other favorite one. Excuse me, I'm ranting right now. Let me go. I remember before the season started, radio hosts saying, man, Denver, oh, Denver, that's the best roster in football. All they need is a quarterback. Get the hell out of here. Best roster in football. What are you watching? Raiders can now compete with these teams. They should have beat Cincinnati. They should have beat Cincinnati. Not in the home game in Vegas. They were severely outplayed late in that game. That was, and you know, that was the last game Cincinnati scored on their opening drive. I heard that on another show today. Cincinnati, if you want to bet the under in the game or who's going to score first, Cincinnati hasn't scored on their opening drive since they were in Las Vegas. And Kansas City struggled a lot. They were up and down. The Rams, I think, have scored on their opening drive once in eight games, last eight games. So we'll talk about that from a gaming perspective. Uh, Josh McDaniels, what do you think you should do with the staff? I'll open that up. That's a good phone topic over the next couple days because we don't have the answer. So we can speculate on that without disrespecting the process.
right? So if, assuming a lot of these Raider coaches aren't coming back and some of the names that are out there, what do you think the direction should be? On I'm assuming there's going to be some Patriots assistants coming. But those are more guys that have to talk to Bill Belichick and go in his office and say, Coach, I'm leaving, leaving you to go to Vegas. And, Bobby, you made an interesting point early because you're Bobby's a diehard Patriot fan from Boston his whole life. You made a great point during the break about how Josh McDaniels takes average players and makes them great. Elaborate on that. Well, that's the thing about McDaniels. I mean, look at the players he's had going through not 2007, but through the 2010s and whatnot. Guys like White and receivers. They're not big names. that you, They're not first-round draft picks. Yeah. They're not big-name guys, but they turn, he turns them into all-stars. He does. He takes a lot of guys, uh, and that whole program takes a lot of guys, and they develop them into world champions. And they're all not Hall of Famers in Pro Bowl. You can walk around that Patriots Hall of Fame and go, what? Who's here? John Hanna. Right? You start looking around Steve Grogan. But over the last 20 years, Willie McGinnis, who was a great player in college. Teddy Bruschi, who I think played himself almost to Hall of Fame NFL status. Teddy Bruschi is one of the greatest players I've ever seen in big games. He might not be in the Canton, Ohio Pro Football Hall of Fame. He walks right into that Patriot Hall of Fame as one of the great ones. Okay, but my point is, take the wide receivers that Brady's yeah. had to work with. Other than Julian Edelman and Randy Moss, who Nothing. can you name? No, Deion Branch. There's been some good players, very good players that are there, but right, not— but these guys weren't first-team no, first right. All-Stars. They are not first-team All-Stars. They are they're players that would develop into champions. You never have to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame or a Pro Bowl, and you could have four Super Bowl rings or three because you played under Josh McDaniels. And that's got to be something that people are talking about going forward. 702-365-9200. We're waiting on T.J. Reeves, the Buccaneer sideline guy, as Tom Brady announced his retirement formally today. Dark Side Don in Las Vegas. Hello, Don. Don, are you there? We'll try to get you on the radio. Go ahead. Hey, hey, what's going on, JT? How you doing? Good. What's happening? Hey, not much. You know, I'm not a big, you know, um, conspiracy guy, but mm -hmm. this just something, something about this feels different. You know, at the, the Raiders started to take the decline right after, you know, the Super Bowl, and, and you know, a little bit we lost Gruden after the Tuck Rule, and 22 years later, we're getting the OC and Brady mm -hmm. retires. So, so what ridiculous conspiracy theory do you want me to give you more time on? What what is this? That, that, that's not, that, I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you know for me this feels different, man. This the whole this whole thing feels different. Out of all the regimes that's come in the past, mm -hmm. we've had people that had you know uh, uh, dear eyes in the lights, you know, first time doing the thing. Then we had John mm -hmm. come in. This thing just feels different. This is the most I would say in the skill positions. This is the most talented. That that that, mm -hmm. that 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 Daniels has had, in, in, in any roster that he's that he's been able to you know to coach, mm -hmm. he's got he's got Waller. He's I mean outside of Grant, but mm -hmm. he's got Waller. He's got a back. Mm -hmm. He's got a QB. He's got a lot of things that I can honestly say that he really did as far mm -hmm. as star power or name power goes. Right. He didn't have in he didn't have in New England. So this is why I say it feels different. I'm not trying to say the conspiracy theory okay. thing and putting. A, I'm just saying it. it the, the whole look, the whole vibe of it feels different. Okay, I could agree with that. It, it feels different, but I'm not going to jump the gun and say that, and there's no way I'm going to go down that road and say that this roster is anywhere near a Patriots Super Bowl roster. 
And well, then, no way. Patriots have won six Super Bowls under Josh McDaniel seven, even though they didn't have all the star power that we were just talking about. The roster from special teams, special teams defense, especially the secondary, secondary clearly better than the Raiders. And that's why Ziggler's got to get some guys who can catch some balls in the secondary when the balls are thrown right at him. Agree. But can, can I say something? He just, made a, he just made a point. You said that these guys coach these guys up, right? So, so come, those guys initially coming into the building, they didn't know if they were going to turn out to be, you know, the guys that they ended up turning out to be. They coached them up. So, in saying that, you know, what, what's the what's what's wrong with thinking that they're going to coach up these guys that might be more talented, maybe not yeah. better players, but might be more talented than the guys that they had walking in the building at that time. Yep, thanks for the call. Again, very confusing to me, and I'm the host. I know where you're trying to get to. I know what you're trying to get to on that. Look. Do not compare this team. Do not compare this team to any Patriot team that won a Super Bowl. That would not be fair to Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and Tom Brady. Okay, this team, if you go back to the tuck rule game, you can compare that roster to Brady's first Super Bowl. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. But from what we've seen recently and what the Raiders have tried to do, I mean, these guys in New England swing and miss with Mac Jones or get Mac Jones, and they're, they're in the playoffs. So what they what these guys are dealing with now are a couple of not a couple. Let me let me say that again. They're dealing with multiple young star players who are emerging. Who are they? Who are they that are emerging? It would be Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, Derek Carr's a veteran. He's been around a long time. He's not an emerging star. He's Derek Carr. That rhymes well. And then you look at the rest of the team. Everybody else here is under evaluation. Other than, in my opinion, Darren Waller, Max Crosby. You could say Josh Jacobs. I think that Josh Jacobs proved that he is, you know, a player that if you believe in his style now, his style playing under Josh McDaniels could be different. I'll give you that. And then you look at some of the players like Perryman, who went to the Pro Bowl, Casey Hayward, who had a good year, Trayvon Mullen, who I like athletically a lot, but he's not available. He's never available. He gets hurt a lot. You look at Jonathan Abram, big question mark. Trayvon Merrig, to me, is, is is firm here. He won his job. He played well. Pro football focus. Everybody will tell you that. And Colton Miller. Wh- wh- who am I missing? Everybody else is up for evaluation here. Period. Everybody. And there's going to be a lot of players that are going to say, yeah, let's give him one more year under our regime. Let's see if we like him. And that's why I believe it's going to be very unique what happens next. How do they go through all of this? How do they go through all of this and keep the players you like and don't break your heart when you think a player is going to be here and he's not? Because they're in charge now, everybody. They're in charge. They're going to pick the players. They're going to sign the contracts. They're going to reward the players they believe can help them win eventually. And it's a tough job. That's why Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels was brought in. All right. That was brought to you by Grimaldi's Best Pizza I've Ever Had. Five-plus locations here in the Valley from takeout food. Hey, the salads are unbelievable. Whenever we go, we get a couple extra salads, keep them around the house for a few days, and love it. The Brooklyn Bridge is the pizza I get there all the time. Coming up next, Kevin Bollinger will join us from Fox 5. I think he had the first interview with Josh McDaniels right off the podium as the affiliate official team television partner. And then this Buccaneers sideline guy, T.J. Reeves, on the retirement of the GOAT. 
Tom Brady. All right here on a big day for us as we welcome in a new GM and a head coach on the flagship of the Raiders. Well, I, I think that John and Mike had built a uh, foundation to build upon, and I think that's what we're doing now, and I think moving forward, that's what these two are going to be building upon, that foundation. Uh, we've got some great players in this organization right now. Um, I believe there's a great culture in this organization right now, which is what they will find. They haven't seen that as much yet because they haven't seen all the players together, but that's something that Rich had built uh, over the last six months is a fantastic culture in this building, and uh, I think that uh, just – now we're just moving to the next level. And that, it's not a rebuild, it's not a reload, it's just taking this to the next level and uh, getting to that Super Bowl and winning some championships. I thought that was really nicely said by Mark Davis about Rich Passaccia and the culture he built. I saw it up close, talked to players, texting players. They love that coach. That coach did a lot here to help the Raiders get to the playoffs, and we wish Rich Passaccia well and all the other coaches that we hear as we spoke to Josh McDaniels today. Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5 had him first right off the podium after the press conference in the big auditorium yesterday. Kevin, exciting day out in Henderson. How are you? Yeah, it was. Uh, the, the new day of the silver and black, and uh, it's going to be, be fun to watch this thing develop here over the next few years. What was your takeaway? You got a chance to talk to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels about the process coming here, and you were reporting on it as much as anybody, every day I saw your live shots outside the Henderson facility. How do you think the process played out until Mark Davis got the two guys he wanted? You know, I, I like the fact that he did his due diligence and he interviewed a lot of people. And, you know, as you know, JT, Raiders have always hired people with ties to the Raiders with the organization. It's just been something that they've always done. It was time to do something different. And I think Mark Davis realized that. And he hired two guys that uh, had really no Raider ties, and he brings them in to try and get the consistency that they had in New England. So uh, I, I like the fact that they're going to, to go this route, give it a shot. I think they've got two high-quality people that are well-respected inside NFL circles. Mm -hmm. And I think that Josh McDaniels did a very good job of explaining how his experience in Denver as a head coach humbled him, and matured him a little bit, and he needed to make sure that he had himself together before he was ready for another head coaching job. And it took more than a decade. He's ready. He found the right fit. And I think that we're going to see something totally different than what we saw with Josh McDaniels in Denver. And Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5 here in Vegas. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. When I just interviewed him, if this Denver thing happened three, four, five years ago, it'd be a story. It happened when he was 33. It happened a long, long time ago. And he still has to answer questions about it. I think he's been very re uh, prepared with his responses on the Denver years, taking the fail, saying he failed at that, and learning from it. I don't think it's something that should come up again unless there was an issue here in Las Vegas with some of the players, and he's aware of that coming in. No question. And in terms of, you know, there's a little more checks and balances, too, I think, with Ziggler basically coming out and, and being forthright and saying that he's going to have the call here on a lot of these player personnel decisions. Uh, so you're not going to, to have, you know, maybe uh, th there's going to be that system set up similar to, to what they have in a lot of successful organizations mm -hmm. to make sure that they go through the process properly. And when I have talked to Dave Ziegler afterwards, I talked about the, the, 
importance of getting a jump right now with the senior bowl practices starting at the combine only a month away to get his staff in place in terms of scouting and player personnel. And uh, he says that that's going to be an important part of the process is to take the good of what the Raiders have now and then supplement it and, and make that work into their evaluation, not only of the current players on the roster and not only the people that are going to be available in the draft, but also the free agent market. So I, I really like the approach that they're taking. And I like the fact that Mark Davis said, Hey, we're stepping, I'm stepping back here. I did my job. It's time for these two guys to go to work and, uh, you know, let them do their thing. And I, I think that that's going to be a winning formula for the Raiders. Kevin Bollinger from Fox five, as we wrap it up. So, the, the car question, how did you handle it? Because it seems like they, they both like Derek Carr, but everybody knows he's got one year left on the contract and he's going to be evaluated because these are two fresh minds coming into the building there. What do you think happens next with this car timeline? Well, I, and, you know, everybody asked uh, McDaniels about it. Obviously, mm-hmm. they were prepared for that question. Uh, McDaniels really, I think Carr is a McDaniels type of quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the type of skill set that he likes to work with in terms of designing an offense, uh, I my personal belief is Derek Carr is going to get an extension done and he's going to stay with the Raiders. Um, I just don't see uh, them moving away from somebody who has put up some good numbers, and then they're going to put the pieces around him to see what they can, can do. They're going to get the right side of that offensive line figured out. They're going to get that top-level number one receiver uh, and so I think that, that they're going to go out and be aggressive and, and get those tools and see what they got. I would not be surprised if they got some type of a deal done before the first week of the NFL season. Kevin, finally, how do you describe this weekend in Vegas? You've been here for a while. East-West Shrine <laughs> game, NHL All-Star game, skills competition, and the Pro Bowl. Is this a sleeper weekend? Because, I mean, it's not the Super Bowl. That's going to be bigger. The draft, I think, is going to be bigger than the Pro Bowl, but... Man, this is a sneaky good weekend here in Vegas, especially for kids. These are events for kids from Deep Henderson to Deep Summerlin, all points North Las Vegas to come to these events that are fan-friendly and experience sports at the professional level. Yeah, no question. I mean, this to me, uh, th- this is a great weekend because there's a lot of variety on the plate of, of pro mm-hmm. and college. Uh, there's access for fans. There's fan fests going on. Fans will find out when the Super Bowl comes here in two years. It's such a massive event. It's tough to get around to do things sometimes, but they do have the fan event. Mm-hmm. This is going to be one of those uh, weeks where you're going to have access to a lot of different things to get a, a taste of it. I, I think it's fantastic. This is exactly what the city was built for, and to have events every single day this week. Golden Knights game tonight. They're going to take the skills competition out of the ballpark for the NFL tomorrow. You've got the East-West Shrine game Thursday. Mm-hmm. You've got the skills on Friday, NHL, All-Star game Saturday, Pro Bowl Sunday. This is, this is Las Vegas. This is the new Las Vegas. And I think that we're going to see more and more weekends like this uh, that are going to be uh, you know, coming throughout the, the, the coming years. And this is exactly what it means to be a big league city mm-hmm. uh, and a major professional city. It's fantastic. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate your work as always. Thanks. Thank you, JT. Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5, a proud partner of the Raiders, as he was the first, I believe, to talk to Josh McDaniels off the podium. That's something cool to have here. 
You know, when we talk about these events coming to Vegas, I had a conversation with a friend who said, you know, we need to sell these out and these need to be like super successful. I disagree. I look at it from a writer perspective, all the tickets are sold. All right. Other fans are going to buy tickets on the secondary market. The Las Vegas Bowl run by my good friend John Sassenti, tremendous success with the presale. And they had to do that during COVID. I mean, the day of Omicron, and they were able to get fan bases here that might have balked on some New Year's Eve prices and got a very respectable crowd to come to that. When I think of the East-West Shrine game, if the place isn't sold out, I'm not going to look at Vegas as a failure. We're still in a pandemic. There's a lot to do here. But the other events, like the Pro Bowl and the NHL All-Star game, those got to work. We want those to continue to come back. The NFL draft... Nashville had 600,000 people. We're trying to break that record to get to a million. We can't have 300,000. Yeah, that's got to be a massive success. And then when we have fights, the rodeo was massive the last time around. Talking to some of our partners in the rodeo business, how great that was. Now it's our chance here in Vegas to get these events. We got to show up. Got to show up for these things. And especially for kids, as I always tell people, if they're listening for the first time. Take the kids in the neighborhood. If you find out the East-West Shrine game tickets are 19 bucks, buy five, put a credit card down, and take the kids in the neighborhood. Say to the, say to the mom next door, hey, I'm going to take the kids to this football game and run around Allegiant Stadium. Bring people to these events when the prices are affordable. So, some of the tickets are not very affordable in multiple sports. You can't do that. But this is an opportunity to do that this weekend. Tony in Los Angeles. Thanks for holding, Tony. Hey, no problem. Thanks, JT. Long time, first time caller. Uh, had a lot of respect for you and what you're doing. Um, my anger is gone. You know, I was I was really angry higher because uh, I felt so sad for Rich and all the staff and Gus Bradley. I mean, yes. I thought he's been doing an incredible job with the defense. I mean, this is I've been a fan since I was a kid. This has literally been one of my most favorite teams that I've mm-hmm. ever been able to see and watch and. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm I'm sad for for uh, for Rich and the family and Ed Marinelli and I, I don't know how Max is going to respond when dealing with the, maybe potentially losing Yannick and I I can't tell you how much I think Q in the middle and Phylon have done to help their defensive ends. I just think that um, anything less than what we did last year is going to be a failure for McDaniel's. I think the pressure's on and I know it's a business, but I'm a fan um, and have been for for my whole life, so I just wanted to... Hey, let me just tell you, know, you this quickly. You. Let, let me just tell you quickly. I disagree with you on one thing. I expect this team that won 10 games and should have won more, but they won a lot of games in overtime. A lot of games in overtime where the ball bounced their way and they could have lost half of them. They won them. Uh, if, if I want this team to win 12, 13 games, but if they don't, this is a long-term plan. we got to get behind that. I, I'm not saying you have to take a step backwards. You don't. But they did not get hired next year to win the Super Bowl. If that happens, fantastic. It's almost happening to Cincinnati. But you got to trust the process here with this New England thing and what they're trying to do as they revamp the roster. So will, you know, 10 wins be a failure next year? It might be to you. But if the process looks great and everything starts to develop in a way that the owner likes, along with the GM and the coach, it's a good long-term play. But I agree. They got a, they, they, they got a good team here. They got to keep winning. I completely agree with you. I completely yeah. agree. If they, if they keep the core, if they keep the culture, if they keep what they've been doing for the past six months, I'll get behind it. But if they turn this into the Patriots mm. or any other way other than the Raider Nation that I've grown to love and admire, then it's, it's just it's going to be an issue. It's going to, mm. for me as a fan. 
Yeah, I don't Just think like that. the Vegas move was, but you know, I got over that. Oh, I, well, I knew y'all would. Pre- appreciate the call. I knew y'all would get over. Not everybody's gone over Oakland, but I was in conversations with Black Hole Rob. May he rest in peace. About that, that's the highest level, the highest level of the Raider fan base. The Black Hole and Black Hole Rob. May he rest in peace. About the move, and it took a long, long time for some Oakland fans to come over. And the ones that I know now that are in Vegas are having the time of their life. Time of their life. And considering that mayor up there who had just fell in love with the Niners and to see what's happening up there with the issues there, please come to Vegas. Everyone who's listening to us in L.A. and Oakland, the entire Bay Area, we want to show you the great time that you showed us all those years up in Oakland for the outsiders who came in there. And we could have a great time here with the Raider Nation. It's a good times ahead. Sal's in Arizona, another Raider hub. Hello, Sal. What's happening? Hey, how you doing, JT? Thank good. you for taking my call. Yep. Hey, I just wanted to touch on uh, Ziegler's uh, press conference mm-hmm. and his words yesterday, especially when it comes to Derek Carr. I know you can't negotiate contracts uh, on your first uh, press conference, uh, meeting the media and all that stuff. But um, I hope that uh, Derek Carr, from his end, he's not being uh, a patsy and just uh, has a little gumption this time around because the narrative has got to change. We go through too many off-seasons where is Carr going to be here, isn't he going to be here, is he not going to be here, is he going to trade him, cut him, etc. Carr hopefully takes the stance in there, and he shouldn't do this in public. I'm just saying do this when you talk to them, saying, I'm not even going to pick up the playbook unless we negotiate a contract, an extension, because I have no guaranteed money going into next year. Why should I pick up the playbook, go through all of this? You know I can do it. I've gone through multiple coaches, multiple offensive schemes, so there's no reason to believe that he can't pick up Josh McDaniel's scheme, and I just don't want him to be a patsy, and I just don't want this narrative to go on all off-season mm-hmm. of what's going to happen with Carr. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think that's very fair. Thanks for the call. I think that's fair. Most quarterbacks of this ilk do not play. They don't go into camp with a contract over their head. They have it locked up, and that's Derek's job with his agent and what the team decides to do with him. I've always thought that Derek would be the long-term quarterback here because he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. The only reason why Derek Carr would not be here is the same thing Mike Mayock said, is if they get a better quarterback. And fortunately for Derek, there's not a lot of better quarterbacks out there or available. And when there are quarterbacks available who are better than Derek, that conversation's always going to be there until he's locked up long-term. And we don't shy away from that. We're going to talk about that because that's what fans talk about at the bar when you're hanging out and you're a Raider fan. You want to know what the long-term look is going to be for the quarterback, the running back, the wide receivers. That'll never change. That's off-season football, baby. We're all over it. We'll go out to Tampa. Brady just retired. Buccaneers sideline reporter T.J. Reeves is next. You know, there's some very important games going on, you know, in the weekend. And I know how hard those players work on Sunday to prepare for that. You know, I was actually a little bit, uh, you know, disappointed that that would actually, you know, play some part of of what's going on in NFL football, which to me has been such an amazing sport. And it's a it's a great sport. And, you know, the focus should be on, um, you know, those great games. 
Tom Brady on the Let's Go podcast on Sirius XM where I work. And look, he needed a day to get his own voice out. So he waited for his podcast yesterday, then announced the retirement earlier today. And we get a chance to go out to Tampa Bay where my good friend TJ Reeves, kind enough to join us. The Bucks sideline guy did some play-by-play this year as Gene Deckerhoff was off a game. So really respect him and his knowledge on Tom Brady and this day. TJ, thanks for coming on. And it was kind of nice to see Brady go out on his own terms instead of the media announcing it for him. How'd you see it? Well, it's been a crazy last four or five days. It's good to be with you. Everybody's been trying to figure out, will he, won't he, please come back. And now it is official. It was going to end at some point. Uh, I believe with what you just said, like many that others uh, believe that this this did uh, get out on Saturday ahead of when he wanted it out. There is no question that he contacted uh, Jason Light and Bruce Arians to say, I haven't made up my mind. Uh, but by the same token, I, I, I really believe that he felt like, uh, why not go out on top? So many times we don't get to write our own ending. He did win a Super Bowl in year one here. They were back in the playoffs with a phenomenal season where he leads the league in passing yards and touchdowns. They win 13 games. I mean, clearly he was still at the top of his game, even if the Buccaneer defense couldn't keep up in that playoff game with the Rams. So I think you have a lot of things kind of in the, in the same stew pot stirring around with the family tugging at you that they, they want you to move on to the next phase of your life. And so now uh, here we are. It's, it's, it's uh, kind of wild because you, you really wonder here if, uh, if they had won that game this past weekend and continued – you know, had won the Rams game, had won the NFC title game, and they're back in the Super Bowl. Would Tom Brady still be contemplating retirement, or would he be, would he be contemplating one more record? Let's go get three in a row if they could maybe do that. But it's all for naught. The Rams took care of that, and Brady is done. I agree with you. T.J. Reeves joins us. When you win a Super Bowl, you have to think in the offseason that you can repeat or three-peat. That's what all the legends have done. Elway walked off after winning one, after a second one, but not. I, I look at the structure of Brett Favre, all the legends, Peyton Manning. What fascinates me the most about this is you know he had a lot left in the tank to continue. So he's so old in regards to the timeline of all quarterbacks who have ever played. He's on the back, back, back end of the elderly at that position, but he treated his body so well, his mind that you know he could have kept going. And that's what I think fascinates most fans today, that he's actually walking out at the top of his game. And you covered every game this year on the broadcast and as the sideline reporter, and you were able to see it. Yeah, I mean, and and there was no drop-off. Down the stretch of the season, the arm strength is still there. The last touchdown, as it turns out, Mr. Brick, is a bomb to Mike Evans in the fourth quarter of that game. And it was right in front of me on the near Mm -hmm. sideline as he toasted Jalen Ramsey uh, and caught it, and then now all the talk has been throughout Tuesday. That's the last touchdown pass, and a Buccaneer fan in the south end zone of Raymond James Stadium got the ball. Once again, Mike <laughs> Evans chucked it up into the stands uh, after it's over with, but he still could make throws. He he certainly did not have the 30-year-old Tom Brady arm of, of throwing rockets 60 yards down the field, but, man, that was a 50-something-yard pass in the air, a dime, mm-hmm. on the spot to Mike Evans at 44 like you're saying, there are a lot of quarterbacks at 37, 38 that can't make that throw anymore. It's really a testament to Brady how good he was. And you're right. I can testify that down the stretch of this season, uh, there was no drop-off. He was continuing at a very high level. 
TJ Reeves, the Buccaneer sideline guy, great sports talk host, podcaster, play-by-play voice, and what a job he has with the Buccaneers. What changed? Because you were there when the Bucs won their Super Bowl with Gruden and all those great players and future Hall of Famers. What changed over the last two years that you've seen with the fans showing up, tailgating, the pop that they had and the aggression they had going in to the stadium knowing that the greatest of all time was there? How did it change the fan base? I think it's that. I think that once once he signed on board, you suddenly have an air of confidence. We're going to we're going to go rock and roll here. Not just win, but score a bunch of points, especially with the weapons that they had. And so the culture had to change. The culture changed inside that building with Bruce Arians and a very professional staff with Todd Bowles who had been a former head coach and had been with Bruce as well as Byron Leftwich, a former player uh, and successful in the league. Uh, Harold Goodwin's an underrated longtime NFL assistant, and he's the assistant head coach. So you have a very veteran coaching staff. You establish a culture. You bring Brady in. You bring other veterans with him, two or three other guys uh, in like Rob Gronkowski. You've got Jason Pierre-Paul. You've got Indomitian Sue on the defensive side of the ball. You've got veterans now that have won. Uh, Pierre-Paul had won Super Bowls, as you know. Uh, Gronkowski commands the room with being able to make plays and, and the Super Bowl rings. So you change the culture, and now you change the confidence level. There would be game after game where you would go into the game going, I don't have any reservation that the Bucks are going to score 28, 31, 34 points because that's what you believed with Brady and the weapons that they had. So I think that's where the mindset changed and the area really re-energized after so much losing, after a decade of firing not one, not two, five, five head coaches starting with Gruden before Bruce Arians mm-hmm. got shown the door. The culture finally changed, and now the fan base caught on board, and it'll be very curious if it stays on board here with whatever the Bucks are up to and the moves they make this offseason. Well, what could the Bucks be up to? Because you know I'm a Jameis guy. I love Jameis when we used to talk about him <laughs> back in the day. I think he's the perfect guy to bring back. He matured. He learned under Sean Payton. He got injured. Now he's coming back. The Jimmy G name is out there. And, again, I know you know with your job you can only speculate on right. so much. But this is a team with that defense. That's a Super Bowl defense. There's a lot of weapons on the offense. I know – the Godwin future, what they have to do with certain players, extending them or not. How intriguing is the new quarterback talk going to be this offseason? It's huge. I I don't believe this is world according to TJ. I believe you've moved on from Jameis Winston. Let him go somewhere else. You made that decision. I know there's some fans. There are some fans. There's Florida State fans that would love to see him back, see him succeed. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be interesting. The hug from John Lynch the other night after that game. There's another Buccaneer connection. Is he, is he maybe in here? Kyle Trask, the former Florida quarterback, second-round pick, mm-hmm. sat behind and watched Tom Brady for a year, and that's not unlike what he did at the University of Florida, where he sat for two seasons, JT, waiting for a chance and had a huge 2020 college football season, as it turns out. Um, a record-breaking year in the SEC. Uh, broke some of Joe Burrow's records even in the SEC with throwing touchdown passes. So Kyle Trask sat, watched, observed, and he will definitely be part of the conversation on can he take this over? Will it be he and a veteran competing in training camp in the preseason and maybe both of them get a look? We'll, we'll see. These are all things for Jason Light, the GM, to figure out, Bruce Arians, the head coach, to figure out. 
We just know who it won't be as it stands right now, Tom Brady. TJ Reeves is our guest as we wrap it up. So while I have you here, give us a Super Bowl preview. You just saw the Rams before the Rams took out the 49ers, and I think the Bucks beat the Rams if they get off to a quicker start. If they show up early in that game and it doesn't get away from them, the comeback by the Bucks was epic. What impressed mm. you from the sideline perspective when you saw the Rams? Oh, it was uh, it was a dominant performance by them in the first half on both sides of the ball, but a tale of two halves. They began to self-destruct with turnovers. It was the only way the Buccaneers were going to get back in the game, but I, I believe they, they played a cleaner, better game at home with San Francisco. They are at home, regardless of the NFL, trying to act like it's a neutral side, and the Rams did a tremendous advantage that the Bucs didn't have. They're going to have a full stadium, and probably half of it or more is going to be their fans, you would think. Cincinnati's got to show up uh, and show out with how many fans they're going to try to pile in to SoFi Stadium. So I, I like the Rams. That's the easy way out here on, on the pick. But, the, I mean, how do you go against them after they've beaten Brady and the Buccaneers on the road, come back home and drive a stake through San Francisco's heart after the 49ers had beaten them six times in a row and everybody was talking about another 49er upset? I'll take the Rams in Super Bowl 56. What do I know? And then we're going to have two years in a row – Mr. Brick, where a team playing in their home stadium wins the Super Bowl. That could be wild. Last one, what was your best personal memory of Tom Brady in Tampa? Uh, you know, everybody's going to talk about flipping the Lombardi Trophy on the, on the boat parade <laughs> off the back of the – that's tough to top, on, on the boat parade with the Lombardi Trophy and flipping it to Cameron Brady. But I'm still going to go back to the Super Bowl this time a year ago, roughly about 50 weeks ago at the time you and I are talking – I'm down there doing my radio task. We're not allowed on the field because the COVID guidelines. I'm in the front row of the stands uh, working on Buccaneers radio, and I watched him throw a touchdown pass to Rob Gronkowski right in front of me at the, late in the first half against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And I had a moment where I stood there and went, is this real life? This is the Super Bowl, and the game is in Tampa, and Tom Brady, as a Buccaneer, just threw a touchdown to Rob Gronkowski as a Buccaneer. So I will take that one with me probably at the top of the list forever as, uh, is it real life? It was real life. And, and no matter what happens from here on out, you're not taking that one away. You're not taking away the COVID crazy 2020 year and a Super Bowl win by Brady and the Bucks. Well, when you take the twins to get donuts, you'll have more Brady <laughs> stories to say post-game. You were there for all of it. Thank you, TJ. It's a big day, big night. Uh, thanks a lot for doing this. Appreciate it. Always love being on with Mr. Brick. And, yes, donuts whenever you're around with the Twins. That's a must, my friend. You got it. There's a lot of uh, donut stores here in Vegas So we'll, when they when you come out here again. DJ Reeves, a really good spot from him, especially with the fact that Brady retired earlier today and we get the Buccaneers sideline guy on who was there for the two years to see what he did. Look, it's the, he's the greatest of all time. No one will win seven Super Bowls. No one will play in 10-plus. No one will do what he does. No one. There's not a little kid, a little nine-year-old that's going to do what Tom Brady does. The sport is too violent. The sport is too violent to predict that players are going to play to 44. You can predict, you can predict that Mahomes at 40 can put up the numbers that Brady did and took till 44. You can predict that. But Mahomes just lost another playoff game where Brady just started stacking playoff wins with New England. And to do it, and for those who said it's not a big story, I tweeted that out earlier today. It's not a big story that he didn't mention, the Patriots. Yes, it is. I work with a Patriot fan as my producer, and it's a big story. You played 20 years, 19 years with the Patriots for Mr. Kraft and Mr. Belichick. You kind of put that in. 
You kind of put that in somewhere in the goodbye. But, look, I don't know how bad the blood is or what's happening in the future. Tom Brady, I thought I'd never say it because of the friendship that I built with Joe Montana over the years. Charity work, emceeing events, having him on Radio Rose. Joe is Joe Cool. None of this Joe Barrow, Joe Cool. There's one, Joe Montana. I never thought in my lifetime there'd be someone better than Montana. And I think that Montana deserves to be in the conversation because he was perfect. Perfect in the Super Bowl. Brady was not perfect. He played many more. And his stats speak for themselves. Tom Brady's the greatest football player of all time if you think that the quarterback position is the most important position. We all do. It's more important than an edge linebacker like Lawrence Taylor. It's more important than a wide receiver. It is. It's the quarterback. So I think Brady walks away the greatest player of all time. At JT the Brick on Twitter and on Facebook, breaking news, and it's a big story. Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, has filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL for violation of civil rights statutes or discrimination in regards to the hiring and firing practices for coaches and executives. Uh, This is from Cameron Wolf, who says, I'm told it's related to the Dolphins, Giants, and NFL as a whole. The suit makes explosive allegations about the Dolphins, his former employer. Flores says that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, ready for this? Offered to pay him an extra $100,000 per loss during the 2019 season as Ross wanted the Dolphins to lose enough games to secure the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Flores also alleges that Ross tried to get him to recruit a prominent quarterback who was under contract to another team in violation of the league's tampering rules. The lawsuit also says that the New York Giants scheduled a sham interview with Flores last week to comply with the Rooney rule and that Flores learned that his interview was a mockery because his former boss, Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick, mistakenly texted him a congratulatory message thinking that the Giants were going to hire him. In fact, Belichick later revealed that he had misunderstood another text he received and that he was actually told the Giants were hiring Brian Dayball. This is massive. Flores also says the Broncos put him through a similar sham interview three years ago and that he never had any intention of considering him for the job. The Broncos hired Vic Fangio shortly after his hire. Flores in a statement saying, quote, in making the decision to file the class action complaint today, I understand that I may be risking coaching that game that I love and has done so much for my family and me. My sincere hope is that by standing up against racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure the positive change is made for generations to come. That is a massive story. Brian Flores suing the NFL, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Broncos. He alleges racist hiring policies. On the same day that Tom Brady retires from the league, there's a lot happening, everybody. That's a big deal. Remember, the NFL also has to deal with the John Gruden lawsuit, and he's not backing down. So with all of that here, you know, when it comes to the Rooney rule, one of the things about the Rooney rule, it's a shame that we have to have this rule. 
because we have to because there's not a lot enough minority candidates, let alone hires here. Brian Flores is a proud guy. And if he has this information, he could take Stephen Ross down. If he believe, if he can prove that Stephen Ross paid him, offered to pay him an extra hundred grand for losing on purpose, that's an integrity issue. An integrity issue with the league. More to come on that story. Man, what a what a blockbuster story that comes in now. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Thanks to the new head coach of the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, for joining us. TJ Reeves, the Buccaneers sideline guy, and Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5. Big shows the rest of the week. Next week at this time, heading to L.A. for the Super Bowl. Here with Lotus Broadcasting to have a couple of really good shows from L.A. Have a great day, everybody. Can Keep it here. A lot of breaking Raiders news with a new GM and a head coach, and you'll get it all here first.